How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Beards and Brews. This week's movie is going to be Snatch from the year 2000. My name is Eric. I'm Brady. And I'm Chandler. All right, this week we are doing uh, Guy Ritchie's movie Snatch from the year 2000. And boy, were we disappointed that it wasn't a porno. <laughs> Snatch, I honestly love this movie. Um, Guy Ritchie knows how to make a just a complicated uh, mess of a film. It's got uh, diamond heists. It's got people that don't know what they're doing. It's uh, got pikeys. Whatever that actually means, I don't know if that's derogatory or not. But uh, I it's think it's like them. an English redneck. Uh, yeah, well, it seems very, you know, racial slurry. I, I wasn't sure about that. There, uh, I looked into it a little bit. They're supposed to be Irish, like Irish gypsies. Tramps and weird. Thieves. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we start out this movie with an introduction to uh, Turkish and Tommy, who are one of the. Uh, they're two of the main characters here. You've got Turkish, played by Jason Statham, and Tommy, who is... I, I don't know the name of that actor. I didn't look that up. Yeah. Uh, but you've got Jason Statham. Starts out with, what do I know about diamonds? I'm a boxing promoter. Aren't they Aren't they from Antwerp? And that's kind of where we start out at. Yeah, so you got Benicio Del Toro. He's got this amazing role as a uh, real fun character as Frankie Fourfingers. Frankie Fourfingers, right. Yeah, buddy. Is he a good time? Especially every time it wants to cut to him with the Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, the uh, the opening movie starts off with a little bit of a heist with Benicio Del Toro. He's uh, This guy is pretty fly for a rabbi. He's got a couple of him and his buddies are like uh, trying to get into this little facility. It's It's a really fun scene especially Benicio I, I just love that guy whenever I see him I get happy so they're going through the uh, through this the security and they pick mm -hmm. up something and he's like what do you want me to do drop my pants yeah and what's cool about that scene is that um, not only are they going through security this entire shot is filmed through like the little security cameras the uh, the CCTV stuff, and he and his crew are coming into this place to uh, to rob it. They're looking for a diamond, not just any diamond. They're looking for an eighty six carat uh, diamond the size of your fist. Nice. Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a really transparent golf ball. It's like almost perfectly round. And I do have to point out, like when they finally get into the room to steal the diamond from the cutters. <laughs> they do it in like a really cool but really awkward way like none of these guys are armed except for Benicio and we it turns out like he's got like six guns like strapped to a bulletproof vest under his little rabbi outfit so when he exposes himself like they all have to like reach around his body to pull out a gun to hold everybody up yeah it's, it's a fun little scene and not to mention that revolver the revolver oh yeah it's got six pounds or whatever yeah, it's through the entire movie. It's something that Wyatt Earp could have used and just walked up, no, and bashed some red sacks in the head. This movie takes off to the point with just snarky, asshole-ish lines that start <laughs> right in the beginning and run the length. That's It's true this is like the most English movie I've seen in forever. Like, as soon as he pulls out the guns, or they pull out the guns, and they hold all these people up, the movie just has a seizure. It goes crazy. Like, the film just, like, spins and shit like a 12-year-old edited this in fucking MS Paint. It's ridiculous. But in a good way. 
right? It reminds me of old Batman. Like, no, 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 And the bat signal would fucking go with the screen. Yeah, it was so wild that it took me aback. I'm like, is this fucking serious? Is this like, I'm going to have to sit through this for 110 minutes or whatever? Is this going to be the whole fucking movie? Chandler, what'd you do to me? My stigmatism, it's acting up. At this point, it's cutting to Tommy, correct? Yeah, the next scene cuts to top Tommy talking about uh, somebody wants a new caravan. Yeah, this this is when the interweaving starts. There's a lot of um, yeah. a lot of subplots that kind of wind around, and there's like one little area where they all kind of cross together, and it's much later on in the film. So, just after the um, the diamond is stolen, we go back to Turkish and his buddies and stuff, trying to get things situated in their little like. I don't know, crime syndicate or what the hell ever. I enjoy whenever it cuts to Tommy, he's in there talking to Boris about that same big-ass revolver. And then Gorgeous George, a fellow that we'll be introduced to a bit more uh, later in the film, he walks in and goes, I hope I'm not disturbing you. And then Tommy just hits him with, Nah, I put the Do Not Disturb sign on the door because I wanted you to join us. (laughs) (laughs) This might be one of those movies where... It's so hard to follow, but there are so many different quotes that I just want to keep barking out. Like, if we go back to that scene with uh, with uh, Boris, the heavy is good, heavy is reliable. If it doesn't work, you can always hit him with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Out, it, it doesn't work, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. There's so much going on. I, I mentioned this before the cast, that this movie is very dense with uh, just interweaving plots. There is a hell of a lot of uh, foreshadowing. There's jokes. There's dark humor. It has so much going on at once that I legitimately stopped taking notes. Like, I got frustrated. I just... Because it was ridiculous. There's just something everywhere. Yeah. I, I did the same thing. I was taking notes, but I couldn't write fast enough to keep up with its pace because one minute... It would be with one group talking about this, and I'm like, oh, this would be a good, you know, little toss-in joke. And while I'm writing that down, it's already moved on to an entirely other group, and there's a whole new set of things going on, and you're trying to keep track of these different names for the characters, and you got names like Turkish, Bullet Tooth, Doug the Head, Frankie Fourfinger, Gorgeous George, Top. Yeah, they've all got some little moniker. Yeah, yeah. Then you also have like the three guys later on, which we'll talk about the um, the guys that Boris hires to knock over that joint. Hey, you look good. We'll go rob a place. Speaking of like, so we have the setup of the diamond. So that that is key. And just after that, we do have that little bit with Turkish and stuff, and they're just trying to get everything situated. Uh, George is planned to go go in this boxing match later on, and he's supposed to throw it. So that way people can just like bet on the other guy and win a bunch of money. It's all set up, all illegal. And that's kind of like subplot B. And you've got Bricktop, who is this, um, I guess, area underground boxing promoter guy who uh, organizes all these shady um, boxing matches, bare knuckle boxing matches. The zero remorse given by this character, Bricktop, throughout is great he has some of the best lines some of the best scenes uh the british terminology they use is really fun like there's a scene later on where he grabs a dude by the balls and he's like i'm gonna cut off your jacobs (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a lot of jacob grabbing in this uh, movie by the way just put that out there for anybody's interested you get to see what what was his name big gorgeous george he's in there training and he headbutts the what the hell you call it the punching bag 
And while this is going on, you get to see in the background Jason Statham drinking milk out of a bottle. I don't really get that, but it, it comes into play a bit later again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, that comes up a couple times in the movie. I'm just like, just having milk randomly. Like, nowhere, like a refrigerator nowhere inside. He just has a bottle or carton of milk. Maybe that's an English thing. I, I don't really know. Oh, the milk bars, yeah, because like Quark Orange. Oh, yeah. Oh, Maybe okay, okay, I don't okay. Know. Welly, 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 well. So you get big, gorgeous George, and he's doing his little training thing, and he headbutts this punching bag. And whenever he does, you know, Tommy's like, is that legal? And then Turkish is like, it's not a tickling competition. <laughs> and he gives, uh, gives Tommy 10,000 quid, I don't know, $10,000. And wants him to get a new caravan because theirs is falling apart. And Tommy goes, what's wrong with it? And as Turkish walks up to it, goes through the stairs, he tries to open the door. It falls off the hinges. And he goes, oh, nothing, Tommy. It's tip top. I'm just not sure about the color. (laughs) You know, shit's so good. He just, yeah, just straight up just tears the door off of it. (laughs) It's great. Then he tells him that he has to get a new one from some gypsies in a campsite and he's upset about this and he goes I gotta go to a campsite and then Turkish again replies with another great line caravans live in campsites and that turned out to be their folly too so they're supposed to keep George kind of I guess safe because he does have to throw that boxing match later so they they go off to this area where um, horribly English Brad Pitt lives to buy a new like, caravan for their place which they really didn't need in the grand scheme of things. It could have handled this later, but, you know, movie can't movie without it. We're also going to have to get that scene where he is walking and there's an obvious bulge in the front of his pants. And Turkish sees this and goes, what's that? Tommy replies, it's my Gucci belt. <laughs> and then he goes, no, that. And he points at the obvious gun in these trousers. He's like, what's that for? And he says, it's for protection. He says, what do you need protection from? The Germans. And... He's like, where'd you even get that? And he goes, I got it from Boris. He goes, Boris, the sneaky fucking Russian? It's just the way that these guys have banter back and forth is flawless. This the movie, dialogue in this movie is yes. just incredible. If you can understand it, the dialogue is incredible. Well, I, I took your advice before. Um, I watched the movie with subtitles. It, uh, it didn't help. It didn't help. No, all the all the lines that Brad Pitt and all those fucking weirdos had, it was unsubtitled. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of the point from uh, from Nikki. It's you're not supposed to understand about half of what he's saying. You can pick up words in, here and there just like they can, but I, I think that's partially the point. Yeah, yeah, and the whole pikey situation whenever they get to that is just fun. How they're almost like a ant hill. Mickey is the queen ant. When he does something, they all move with him. And I think that's... It's its like an eerie thing to see. Yeah, it's like uh, Mickey and the hive mind or something. Yeah, ooh, I like that. But yeah, that's thats where they find, they find Mickey. Like, he's the guy that has the caravan. They pay him some money. But they didn't really want to spend all that money, but they wind up doing it anyway because they didn't haggle at all. So on their way out, when they, like, hitched it to their car... They go, like, what, 20 feet? And then the, just the wheels fall off of it? Yeah. Like and the whole back uh, axle. Yes. Yeah, in one piece, like a Lego. It's great. It comes off. And the dog, or as they say, Dag, that he dag. got from, jumps out the window and runs back to him. The gibberish accent that this man has, I thought that was impressive. 
because it makes. Yeah, fuck! I need to cut on the whistle. You know, just, oh. you just. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're on here. Yeah, thanks. But as that's going on, it then, you know, they, they had to find him, and there's this little kid, and I still feel weird about saying Pikey because it just feels slurry. But there's a <laughs> kid that has a little scene where he goes, well, who are you looking for? They tell him that they're looking for Mickey. He goes, oh, okay. Yeah, I can take you to him. But he doesn't move. He just sits there. And then he catches on after the third time he asked the kid that he wants money. He goes, oh, well, once you give me five quid, I'll go get him. And he's like, I'm not giving you five quid. I'll go get him my fucking self. And he goes, well, 250. And he's like, no, I'll give you one quid. He goes, you're a tight fucker, aren't you? <laughs> just... <laughs> It's just good. Like, everything in this feels believable from these characters. I think they're having a lot of fun, and there's a lot of really good chemistry out there. Uh, after that, we cut to Vinny and his boys. Not Vinny Jones. Vinny is this heavy fellow that works at a pawn shop with Saul. And they have a large diamond. But it's not real. It's a big old cubic zirconia. They have a back and forth with some funny lines about that. And he tells oh, yeah, him it's worth fuck all. It's worth fuck what? And then he goes, no, no, no. Fuck all. Because it's worth more than fuck what, but not quite as much as anything above fuck all. <laughs> so at that point, we're meeting Boris. Boris comes in. He has a, a job proposal for uh, Saul and Vinny. It's to uh, go hold up this bookie. He'll give him 50 grand. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see where this is going from here. Um, Saul's going to go with Vinny to get a gun. Uh, I, I enjoy the gun they get whenever they show up with this shotgun. He goes, oh, yeah. it's a shotgun, Saul. He goes, no, it's a fucking anti-aircraft gun. <laughs> the clouds. He's, just the way they talk is fun. He's like, you're going to raise more than pulses with that thing. Perforate the moon. This movie is like 100% just like they're all friends giving each other shit. Exactly. It just sounds genuine because these guys just sound like if you're with your buddies and they're your actual friends, this is how you talk to one another. It's like, I love you, man, but I'm going to pick on you every fucking chance I get. I was going to say, so then we go back to uh, Tommy and Turkish with uh, Mickey the Pikey. It's actually just Tommy and Gorgeous George. Tommy and George. Yes. And George is fighting Mickey. Yeah, after they um, try to get away with their caravan and it fell apart, they obviously wanted their money back. And they're just like, why would I want that caravan? The wheels fell off. So. <laughs> and he's like, I fight you for it. And they don't know what the fuck he's saying. And then Mickey's mom is all distraught. And that's a good scene because Brad Pitt as Mickey is getting worked up that his mom's upset. It's He looks genuinely upset that his mom's having like a hard time with this. And he waits until she's good in the way, and he goes, I've had your heart. But it's, it's even greater, not only is it because it's ridiculous, but like this is all pre-planned, like this is all an act that they do all the time with people, just to rough them up and just get what they want. Oh yeah, 100%. This is, this is their ploy. It turns out, so we've got Mickey fighting against gorgeous George, this big brooding bare-knuckle boxer. Twice yeah, the size. Easily twice the size, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it turns out uh, Mickey is a, a gypsy bare knuckle boxing champion and uh, uh, knocks Gorgeous George out with one punch. Yeah, after Who getting just beat on. Yeah, I thought, like, that was the joke, like, him just getting just 
downright destroyed. But no, 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 no. He took it like a champ that he is. Yeah, in wrestling, it would be called a no-sell. This guy's hitting him. He's like, nope. <sighs> Just gonna stretch out these creamy hamstrings before I get you. <laughs> Fucking Mickey, blip, knocks him out cold. And it starts playing one of the songs that I took from this film. Not to mention, this entire soundtrack is incredible. But there's four of these songs on here that I still listen to to this day. And Golden Brown starts playing by the Stranglers. And it's perfect because this hit to the jaw, for whatever reason, has blood coming out every orifice of Gorgeous George's face. Well, we find out later on, like, not only did it knock him out, but he had to wear some kind of, like, reconstructive brace just to hold his face together. Fucked his day so, up. The, the Pikes are figuring out whether or not Gorgeous George is going to get up. Because if they just killed this man... They might as well kill Tommy, too, because they don't want the cops sniffing around. And he's in over his head, so he's just kind of, like, standing next to a wall, just kind of worrying. <laughs> so that but turns the, into uh, kind of the catalyst for the next part of this movie. They yeah. go back and obviously get the shit taken to him for getting uh, George hurt in this fight, this meaningless fight with a pikey. Uh, what are they going to do? They've got this this fight coming up where George, gorgeous George is supposed to throw and make everybody a lot of money. What are they going to do? Tommy goes back to the Pikey camp and I'm still not sure if Pikey's derogatory. I guess we'll find out if this uh, podcast gets taken down later, but I'm going to keep saying Pikey. He goes back to the Pikey camp looking for Mickey to try and uh, get him to come back and legitimate, I guess, underground boxing match for real money. He tells him that he has to throw it in the fourth round. Because that's what Bricktop told him that he has to do, or bad things will happen. Grr. I'm just over here enjoying the uh, the term legitimate illegal boxing match. <laughs> right. Yes. As opposed to one that's in like a fucking barn. So they end up talking Mickey into it, and then we cut back to uh, Saul and his crew with that gigantic shotgun. I mean, just hanging out in the back of the car, just so you know. Yeah, they have uh, a car full of people along with this big-ass dog, and they're trying to park the car. Not only do they have a big-ass dog, but they have a big-ass dude as their driver. His name's Tyro, yep. and he just comes out of the blue. Apparently, he's like a professional with quotes drivers for, like, you know, shady deeds and stuff. But he's turns out he's just awful. Terrible. Terrible. He's trying to park, and he's struggling. And they're like, why didn't you park over there? He goes, it's too tight. And then it pans over to show you the area this man could have parked in. And it's fucking huge. And they, you know, rightfully so, begin to give this man shit for it. They're like, you could park a fucking jumbo jet over there. And the guy starts to, you know, not do well under the pressure. And he crashes the car into the van behind him in reverse. He goes, I didn't see it. And Saul hits him with a great line. It's not like a ferret fucking a flea, is it? Well, the great thing about that is that in that van... Turns out it was Frankie Fourfingers all along with the little suitcase with the diamond in it because he was actually going to bet that diamond at the event. Yeah. No. Apparently the car <clears throat> hit the van so hard that like it knocked him out as he was trying to like fumble around in the back. Funny thing is it, this movie has so many little twists and turns and things that tie it together. Now, when Gorgeous George got hit by Mickey, the fight they had scheduled is canceled. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is canceled because, hey, they don't have their fighter and they got to use Mickey. Well, people aren't going to bet on this last minute, so all the bets are gone. And these guys go in to rob a bookies where all bets are off. And they walk in with that giant fucking shotgun, and the lady behind the counter is having none of it with her little bulletproof glass screen, and one of the fellows gets caught in the security gate and smashed to the ceiling. Oh, that's, a, that's amazing, though. He just gets, like, yeah. munched by the little gate. 
And Saul's not paying attention at the critical moments, and when he turns around, he doesn't see it. He's just confused. <laughs> and then you have the shotgun. He's talking shit to this lady, and she's not having it, and he's going to threaten her, so he fires the shotgun. And when he shot this thing, this is just a 12-gauge shotgun, but this is a movie, and we're having fun. He shoots this shotgun, and it throws him across the fucking room. But it blows a hole in the wall next to the lady that he then uses to stick the shotgun through and threaten <laughs> That actually turns out to be really convenient, because now she can, he can actually, you know, maybe get some money or something out of it, except all bets are off. Pretty much all they've got left is a bag of copper coins, like, got, it's like a bag of quarters or something is all that he gets. Change. Yeah. Bags or whatever they call them. And Quidditch, I guess when, when he goes to grab that bag of coins, because he's not a professional or anything like that, he puts the gun down, and she grabs it. These I'm, guys I'm, have no I'm, idea what they're doing. No, not a clue. And they use their real names throughout. Right. Yeah, not only are they using their real names, but they're also on security footage this entire time with, with their masks coming on and off the whole time, too. So they get sequestered in this little blocked-off section that's uh, walled up by these uh, security doors. They're pretty much conceded their fate. They're going to, you know... They're waiting for the cops to get there, and then reliable Tyrone comes in. What the fuck are you two guys doing? Come on, get out of here. Just opens Open up the door. the door. Because it was a push door, and they were trying to pull. So they thought they were locked in. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah, and they just gave up and cowered in the corner. It's just, you know, they're like, oh, I'm stuck. Shit, I got no way out. It was it was really good, and then like the, just right after that, it's almost like that whole mess was not like double unnecessary because as soon as they leave, uh, Tyrone basically finds that four fingered guy in the van after he like falls out, stuffs him in the trunk, and they kidnap him. Like it all wound up kind of working out, but in the most messy fashion. After and that, case is attached to his arm. Yes, via handcuff. Yeah. So what like would a, you do? If there was a suitcase, uh, a briefcase attached to this guy's arm, and it had ten grand and a diamond in it, you gotta chop it off, right? Why didn't you chop it off? That's what a guy uh, like Boris would say. Yeah, that is. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what Boris says. Yeah. So they can get back there with Boris and these guys again, just to let you know that they were using their real names. When Boris arrives to try to help them out with this situation, they call Boris by his real name. So he just takes out a gun. Bumf, fucking shoots. No more because four fingers. That's the end uh, of Benicio. Viva, Viva Sad Vegas. Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas. Right there. There we go. Yeah. After that, it's got the fight with Machine Gun Mickey. And he knocks dude out with one fucking punch, which oh, does yeah. for well with Bricktop and the higher ups. Oh, dude, time stood still for everybody because Jason Statham and uh, the other guy totally knew that their shit was just... They were fucked. Proper fucked. Then uh, you have, whenever they try to return back to the gym, the gym looks clean, clear. You know, it's okay, it's safe to go in. So they go around back. Turkish sneaks in. Everything seems fine, but he's not paying close attention. This this reminded me a lot of the scene in um, Pulp Fiction, whenever Bruce Willis goes home to get his watch. Everything seems fine, so he's making a Pop-Tart... Out walks John Travolta. There's an Uzi. <laughs> He's going to put tea on. Tea kettle's already out. So Errol, this one fella, and there's another guy. Little hench cronies of Bricktop are there. Bricktop arrives, and he goes, put a kettle on. Turkish, without arguing, immediately does. 
asked if he wants sugar in his tea. Oh, he's like, uh, no sugar for me, thank you. I'm sweet enough. And just casually strolls along, you know, not like he's like a crazy murderer or anything. It's this a cute little grin, too. Like, a cute little grin with these ugly, hideous, yellow English teeth. No offense to the English out there, but it's it's kind of adorable. And... He's so proud of himself. Yeah, well, this is a guy who's probably been doing this for years and years, so... And he tells him that they got another fight to schedule, and he's going to need Mickey back. And Jason Statham says, of course. And Bricktop hits him again with just these fucking one-liners that come out of nowhere, just... The snarky asshole quips all through this film are amazing. If anything, watch it for the quips. They just nail him with them. And he says, of course. And Bricktop just immediately goes, of course, a fucking course. And then <laughs> we get a flashback because they want to find uh, Frankie Fourfingers due to the diamond. And they flash back to the introduction to one of the characters that even to this day, I still get confused with another movie, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, Tooth <laughs> Tony aka benny jones uh it's like 70s ish due to the the grainy film it looks really neat i guess maybe a filter or something but he kicks in the door to his buddy and he's like what are you doing snorting up all that coke it's not yours they use the term gear and so dude just pulls out a gun and starts shooting him four times oh yeah right in front of all those titties yeah just blah, 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 blah. and benny jones's character just goes oh you silly cunt he's <laughs> <laughs> like I, I shoot you you're supposed to fall down yeah, go down, boy, go down. It's like what you would talk to your, you know, at British term. It's what you'd say to your wanker after too many little blue pills, you know. <laughs> and he shoots him again, this time in the fucking teeth. And it goes through his front teeth and out his cheek. And he gets this little slur. Now you're in trouble. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> oh, yeah, then he pulls out like a blade out of nowhere. Like, a, I think it was like a sword or something. <laughs> something ridiculous. There's a lot of that in the movie. Things come from nowhere, like a video game, Magic Pockets. They're just there all of a sudden. <laughs> Little in the beginning of the movie, we'll, uh, where Benicio Del Toro is like, having an outfit change or whatever during a phone call. Yeah, and there's a scene later whenever Tommy goes to uh, you know, try to talk to Mickey's mom to get him you know, to fight for them. And he just suddenly has flowers. He didn't have them in the car that you get to see. He just fucking has them all of a sudden. Just whoop, right down the sleeve. And uh, after that, the next part, we've got uh, Saul and his crew trying to get rid of this body because they've got a body. They don't know what to do. They're not professional murderers or anything. And then Bricktop shows up. Is this a bad time? You know, goes on this little little rant. Not really a rant, but just an explanation. You got to cut the body into six pieces. Then you got to get rid of those pieces. You got to feed them to pigs. Be wary of a man who owns a pig farm. You gotta have at least fourteen pigs. And oh yeah, they like, eat like uh, two pounds of uh, raw flesh every minute. But you gotta make sure the pigs haven't been fed for a few days. But then they'll go right at it. They'll they'll cut through bone like butter, and then they just look back at them like, "Who are you?" Besides the guy who obviously feeds people to pigs. Right. Hashtag Hannibal. At this point, hashtag Hannibal. I see what you did there, and I like it. So, like, he gives these guys kind of an ultimatum, gives them 48 hours to retrieve the diamond they lost or whatever. And uh, at the same time as this is going on, you have uh, Cousin Abby and his bodyguard flying over from New York and everything because they don't know where Frankie Fourfingers is. He flies Concord, by the way, which is very fancy and totally obsolete nowadays. He gets over pretty quickly and he just tries to sort everything out because he knows he has a gambling addiction and he knows that uh, he would have uh, bet that diamond at the match. 
So Tony goes to this character named Mullet to find out who robbed the bookie and why. And once Tony finds out that it was Saul and his group that robbed the bookie, uh, he and Abby goes to find them to uh, forcefully ask who put him up to it. And at that point, it's uh, Saul who tells them it was a, a Russian guy named Boris. They trail along a little bit, and they uh, they finally catch up to Boris, and they do kidnap him, and uh, he does have the diamond on his person. Right. This is really a point in time when all of these different paths are intertwining, and you've got a lot of scenes jump jump cutting, and we're uh, yeah. It becomes a bit of a soap opera with the bouncing at this point. Uh, and then you uh, we have a scene where we find out that Bricktop has had uh, Mickey's mom's caravan torched while she was evidently in it asleep. Uh, to try and persuade him to fight this next this next uh, boxing match. Yeah, since he didn't want to do that. Uh, they also vandalized Turkish's, Turkish, the Turkish Arcade. I mean, I just picture sweaty dudes naked playing pinball. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they, they go in there and they tear apart his arcade since he's kind of failing to motivate Mickey. And they burn the caravan with Mickey's mom inside and Mickey is distraught and I really enjoy that scene with the fire and the lighting Mickey trying to get back into the caravan and then you know the other gypsies pulling him away he seems calm but it's just calm enough so he can try to rush back in again and And a uh, great use of soundtrack here with uh, Angel by Massive Attack so good so now he agrees to do the fight and that's all set up Pretty much every main character is on their way somewhere. So you have, there's a uh, Turkish and Tommy. They're headed towards I forget where, but you also have uh, Avi and the uh, the Russian guy, and everything. And uh, of course, we got fucking Jason Statham drinking milk in his car for whatever the fuck reason. There's some argument about how humans aren't really able to digest lactose anymore. So you just Tommy just grabs it out of his hand, throws it out of the window, unknowingly. Throws it onto uh, that guy's car. It lands on the windshield and they wreck. How convenient. Yeah, Abby and Tony wreck and they slam into a pole and Boris, who's in the trunk, uh, escapes from this mess. Sneaky fucking Russian. But he doesn't get too far. He kind of stumbles out into the road. I did kind of laugh quite a bit because he was... He's blinded. He has a bag over his head, but he's kind of like feeling around with his feet of where to go, <laughs> but he's kind of like running in a circle. <laughs> And then something we forgot about is, in preparation for all this, uh, Saul and uh, his boys, um, they needed guns. So I guess Saul got a hold of some some replicas. I mean, they look just like the real thing. And, uh, you know, they'll do the job. Because nobody yeah, wants to get like shot, right? So they should be absolutely fine to do this. Uh, right. Well, they were. I think they were following... Avi and Tony. Yeah, because they fall into that bar. Afterwards. Yeah, they follow. They fall him into the bar. They confront Tony, which is a great scene. They really pull guns is. on him, and Tony is sitting down. Benny Jones, just being the guy that he is, he looks amazing. He's sitting there, and they have the guns drawn on him. And he looks up at it. They're talking all this shit, threatening to shoot him, all that kind of things. And he goes, "You know, that would be kind of scary if your gun didn't say replica down the side." The fact that you've got replica written down the side of your gun. And I've got Desert Eagle 5.50 written on the side of mine should precipitate your balls shrinking along 
with your presence. Now fuck <laughs> off. And fuck off they do. That's such a good line. And it's like just a little bit later as they're fucking off, by the way, you have um uh, cousin Abby, he's just like in the bathroom or whatever. He has like the suitcase and everything. He has it like held like it's his child. And uh, Vinny and the boys, they wind up in the same like little hallway and everything. And they point the fake guns at him and like, hey, hand the suitcase over. And he's just like, hey, fuck you. Yeah. And, and then Boris comes in the opposite end of the uh, hallway with his fucking assault rifle that he got from his house after being hit by the car. And he's like, hey, give me the suitcase. And he's like, know what? Fuck you too. At one it's point, I don't, re- I don't know if you remember, at one point earlier in the movie, way before, they uh, introduced him as Boris the Bullet Dodger. Yes. And, and that comes back into play here. So Tony is just <laughs> unloading cap after cap into him. And he just com- kept coming back, fuck you. And then he unloads more, fuck you. And then finally he, uh, I guess ends Boris the bullet dodger. But it's only a moment later whenever Tony himself is ended. Oh, that's right. Um, so you have uh, Abby, um, him, and Vinny and the boys, they all go back to like the little um, the little pawn shop or whatever that they had or whatever. And uh, they're like kind of fooling around because they don't want to know or Vinny doesn't want um, the other guys to know that he has a diamond on them. So like there's like, oh, it's around here somewhere. It's probably in this little box or something. They find some random boxes like, oh, it was in here. Like, trying to make it feel like they got ransacked and then someone made off with it or whatever. Well, you know what the perfect beer for ransacking is? Uh, this week's beer is Samuel Smith's uh, Taddy Porter. Samuel Smith's old brewery from... It's actually the oldest brewery in Yorkshire. Uh, founded in 1758. This is their premier porter. Brewed with uh, barley, hops, yeast, and actually with sugar cane. Ah, it's a sugar taddy. Mm. That's right. Perfect. Uh, it's a it's a very solid, well made porter. Uh, lots of dark roasted malt notes, uh, coffee, hazelnut. Just a good, solid porter. It's the kind of beer that makes you ask, "Huh, who's your taddy?" <laughs> I like that. Now, 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 Chandler, I gotta ask, where'd you go to get this one? I actually went to the to the brewery in Yorkshire, uh, Tadcaster, uh, Yorkshire, England. Uh, no, I didn't. No, I just got it here locally. And by local, you mean two blocks away at the Drug Emporium? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so at this point, he finds the diamond. Everyone's like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. We have the diamond. Now everything is coming together. It's it's all working out in favor of Avi, finally. Him and Tony are getting their diamond. It's all going to work out. Well, this fucking dag that has just been farting in cars and roaming around and being a general nuisance throughout the movie. But he's pretty cute. That's a cute dog. Dag. Okay. It's a cute dag. It eats the diamond. Nom, 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 nom. Just fucking swallows it up. And it takes off running. And Abby tries to shoot it. And inadvertently... Yeah, he grabs um he, he grabs the Desert Eagle and just starts firing just miscellaneously around the room or whatever. Like he's so shocked that a dog just ran everything. off. And in the blind gunfire, he accidentally shoots Tony. I sincerely don't know how that happened because like I, I know he fired wildly, but he, Tony was just like on the far side of the room and he just kind of like I don't know stormtrooper ended it up I guess and he just fucking wound him up over there somewhere. Because that's the only way that you can kill the man is by accident. <laughs> Fair enough. I think we've got a theory there. So after he gets killed, this dog runs away. Abby's had fucking enough 
flies back to uh, New York, and we cut once again back to the fight. Bricktop, Tommy, Mickey, Turkish, and well, all Brick of... Bricktop has, has threatened the entire Pikey community at this point. Oh yeah, he's going to kill them all like he did Mickey's mom if they don't comply. And before this fight was actually Mickey's mom's funeral, and I guess the Irish really like to get wasted uh, at the wake. Sir, that is a stereotype? Well, I mean... <laughs> You're fine. Come on. <laughs> evidently, evidently, they like to get pretty drunk at, at their uh, relatives' wakes. And that is definitely something that happened here. Mickey got absolutely shit-faced. Oh, absolutely. Like, he thought that his um, whatever kind of gibberish was worse through the rest of the movie. Now it was just, like, drunken gibberish, which is like a double whammy of just bullshit falling out of his face. He's so messed up that Turkish is horrified. You know, he's sure that this man can't fight and he's going to die. So through this fight, they have this uh, this balance that they're teetering on. They have to worry about, is he going to be able to fight at all? On the, the same scale as, is he hopefully not going to actually knock this guy out? Because either way, we're fucked. We're proper fucked. Well, what they don't know is, in the background, all the guys who were sent to kill the Pikes are in fact getting killed themselves. The Pikes had a plan. Oh yeah, there's an M Night Shama twist. Yeah, so the um, the fight goes along and everything, you know. Mickey does get his shit pushed in quite a bit, and he does make it to the fourth round. So everybody's kind of just like, "All right, here it is, you know, no more bullshit. We're finally just gonna get this done." And he actually gets knocked down a couple good times during this fight, and each time you're like, "Is he gonna? Is this it?" But he keeps getting back up. He gets knocked down again in the fourth round, and he's like, "All he's got to do is stay down." Yeah, he gets knocked down, he gets up again. You ain't ever gonna keep him down. It's a Chumbawamba song. <laughs> that. But he gets back up. Again. Okay. But he, he yeah. ain't ever gonna keep him down. <laughs> Just keep doing that for 20 minutes. Fuck it. <laughs> so he gets back up, and then finally, blam, he just knocks dude out. Yeah, he finally just, like, summons that iron fist that he had the whole movie and just, like, knocks this dude cold. It turns out... Mickey had money on himself, so he knew what he was doing, right? He had a plan all along. Not only that, when they finally got uh, escorted outside to basically be shot like dogs, um, you hear a shot ring out, and everyone panics except for Mickey. At this point, the Pikes unleash their gypsy vengeance upon these mobster types. Yes. It, It was like the Red Wedding, coming out of the woodwork and just murdering, except in a good way, right? Yeah, murder in a good way. I like it. I don't know. It depends on whose side you're on. I was on the side of the Pikes. And Mickey wins all this money. They then go on to disappear. Team Statham or Statham Stakeums. Team Stakeums. Well, really, the only the only real good guy, the only real good boy in this whole thing is Daisy the dog. Oh, Daisy. Oh, Squeakers. So, anyways, these fellas, they... They pull an M. Night Shyamalama twist. The gypsies come out of nowhere. They save Mickey from execution. Yeah, so um, the next morning, uh, Turkish and Tommy find the campsite they had. There's just completely empty and everything. And uh, the police show up. That's it. Yeah, and they're talking to Tommy. And I think Saul and his boys show up too, but they're frightened away by the cops, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, they get shaken down like a little earlier in like their little driveway or whatever. But um, uh, Tommy and uh, Jason Statham, they are they play a little clever note. Like they notice that the dog was running around. He's like, "Hey, we're just out here walking our dog." And so uh, Tommy's chasing it, and he goes, "Oh, he loves playing silly games with his silly dog." And they get it, and it eats a squeaky toy. And so they have to take it to the vet to get the squeaky toy out. And they what also else discover did they get out? the what big else did they get fucking out? That big diamond. So, who do they call? Avi. And the movie starts all over again. Might as well call it Snatch 2. Yoink. (laughs) But that's all I got for uh, Snatch. I thoroughly enjoyed the film. Uh, It's it's runtime, to me, is one of the biggest detractors. The way it's shot, it jumps around. A lot. It's not even really that long. It just it feels yeah. like it's it's running longer than it is. Yeah, it's well, I, it's number forty and it feels long. Well, I think I know why that is. It's because this movie does not have a three act structure. It's just like a bunch of plot points just kind of like spaghetti together and they kind of intersect at one point and then the movie kind of makes sense. So there's no real like it's all just forward motion instead of an arc. So there's like uh, the movie is filled with a lot of those dialogue scenes that we really like, but there's not a whole lot going on until the movie has to like abruptly change into the next bit. That makes sense. Yeah. So if you're going to go out there and you watch this movie, enjoy, enjoy the dialogue. Uh, The dialogue is easily the best part of it for me. It's the film for sure. You could watch this with dialogue only and still enjoy it. It could have been, yeah, you know, but but maybe radio. turn the subtitles on so you can actually understand what they're saying a lot of the time. Uh, not really puns, but just like just back and forth that like only you and your good buds have. It's like the... sandpaper banter. Yeah, yes. it's like Very... everybody in this movie is a big ass bully, and the only way to get over is by having a better quip than the dude who you're talking to. Either that or a nice brew. Like Samuel Smith's Tadcaster Taddy Porter. Mmm, my sugar taddy. So there we have it. Uh, our movie for this week, Snatch. Thank you very much, Chandler, for recommending this one. We will spin the wheel to see what we have next week, but uh, we'll keep it a surprise for everybody listening. I, I just want to say, you know, get out there. Follow us on the Twitters at the Beards and Brews. Uh, our Facebook page. On Twitter, we are at Beards Brews Cast. On Facebook, we are Beards and Brews. So, yeah, get out there, like us, follow, subscribe. Thanks for listening. Yay! <laughs>